Podcast would carry me away. But while talking to Squeak Nick and Michelle get a word in Edgeways, record over a bottle of rum on a darker Southampton Bay. That is what we're talking about. Saddle up my microphone, get deep in Baker Bone. Hello and welcome to Due South by Southeast. I am Detective Squee and with me as always is Dottie Baker. Uh, Michelle, Mountie Michelle is away this week, so instead I've got a special guest this week uh, returning to the podcast after his uh, brief appearance with us at uh, Sci-Fi Weekender is Mr. Ross Mullen. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Well, I'm here. Always <laughs> always a pleasure to have a genuine Canadian with us to show us how it's done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm very honoured to be there. Thank you for having me. So for anyone who doesn't know, Ross is, of course, from Game of Thrones, Doctor Who, uh, stage screen, all sorts of wonderful business. Sharknado 5, Global oh. Swarming, don't forget that. Sorry, how could I? Uh, I? I loved it when I was watching it back with my girlfriend, and you came up, and I completely forgot, and it was a lovely little surprise in there. <laughs> One of the best deaths as well, like a shark right through the stomach. I know, in the Houses of Parliament of all places. <laughs> I mean, how crazy was that? Like, yeah, we will get on to business in a minute. But how crazy was that to film, like, a, a death with... Yeah, because you're reacting to basically nothing, I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. And uh, it was basically just throwing myself relentlessly against a door um, as, as hard as I could with a team of stuntmen holding the door so that it didn't break off its hinges and um, just throwing my arms up into the air, really. That was... Uh, that was really the the, the, um, the, the crux of it. Um, most of my costume kept riding up and exposing my tummy. And the costume lady very kindly came over and said, you know, your shirt keeps coming up when you throw your arms up. Do you want me to kind of tape it down? And I said, no, don't worry. Don't worry. There's going to be a shark superimposed on my stomach, a huge shark. And then, of course, when the cut came and they superimposed a very tiny shark just <laughs> digging away my chest and still exposing my midriff. So... The humiliation continues, yes. Well, appropriately, <laughs> we're recording this on the day when the part two of, of that Sharknado, because the final one is, is in tonight the here final, in the UK. The final chapter, I understand, Sharknado 6. Yeah, it was. it's uh, the final Sharknado, it's called. It is, yeah. So, uh, I saw Tara Reid uh, two months ago when I was in Indianapolis at Indie Pop. And she had just come off filming that and said it was going to be just even crazier than all of the others if that's possible. Excellent. I, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I just, I've, I've completely brought into it, and, and I love the fact that your reaction's in it as well. Like, uh, you, you were acting really well, but I think you understood the uh, larger-than-life nature, and your kind of over-the-top beard-stroking in it was brilliant. Moi? Larger-than-life? Oh. <laughs> I mean, you're not associated with any community which is known for a largesse of any kind. 
exactly. Cool. Um, so, yeah, we, we were going to kick off, before we do your Canadian top 10, which uh, you're here to do today, we we're going to yep. do a couple of bits of business. Uh, first of all, you're in a play, sir. Yes, I am. I'm in a play in London at a theatre called The Oval House, which is near Oval Station. Uh, the play is called Pocketful of Bread, and it was written in Romania in 1984. So while the Ce- Ceausescu's were still reigning, it's actually a satire. It's quite a good, funny little piece. It's a two-hander. Um, myself and a guy called Gabriel Mansour is starring. He's actually Romanian. And it's directed by Anne-Sophie Marie. And it's only one hour long. Isn't that amazing? I like a short piece of theater. But it's a very short run, too. So it's running from September the 10th to the 13th at Oval House in London. And the tickets are £13. And if you're interested in buying them, you can find them on my Twitter feed. It's pinned to the top. Or you can just Google Oval House, pocket full of bread. Um, yeah, that's that's what it's going to be. And it's very exciting. And it's very funny. And I play, uh, we play two guys who are standing by a well. And there's a dog at the bottom of the well. And we're contemplating whether we should get it out, how we're going to get it out, or are we just going to leave it there? Okay, Crazy. so it's yeah. a little waiting for Godot-ish. That's what I was thinking of when you said that. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a little waiting for Godot-ish with a sort of Romanian spin on it, I would say. Oh, that sounds really funky. One of it's those a very of like, cool piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of those uh, stories you don't get coming along that often these days. Yeah. That's absolutely great. And uh, you've got a busy September, which just brings me very neatly on to, to our other thing, because I will yes. be hosting some panels of at Coventry Comic Con. Unfortunately, one of the panels I'm not hosting is the Game of Thrones one, uh, much Ew. to my chagrin. But like, like they, they gave me like Walking Dead and Buffy. So, uh, and that's I, pretty I, cool. Yeah, I got Game of Thrones last year, so I can't be too greedy. Um, but, yeah. the, but the Game of Thrones ones, I believe, is starring uh, someone not a million miles away from me on the phone. Yeah, um, I can't wait to do. It's Coventry that uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to. It's um, Yeah, it's going to be, I think, a week before I open this show, or maybe a week after, I'm not sure. Oh, I should have had the dates to hand. Uh, Vamp, while I looked them up. Uh, yeah, so CovCon, it's the third year they've ever done this uh, this con. It's been uh-huh. getting... Oh, no, sorry, second year, in fact. No, it, it just feels like three years because they did such a great job last year. Uh, they had me it felt doing... like two cons in one. Well, yeah, no, it really, I mean, it's a one-day con, but they pack it so full of guests. Awesome, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. I was, I've been booked on this one for a while, so. Yeah, no, they've uh, they've been, uh, it's um, Jeff who, who runs the con, and yes. he, he is just so motivated. You can tell he really cares about the con and cares about yeah. his, his local city, So, and it's been done. Yeah, lovely guy, well. lovely guy. Uh, oh god and, and for some reason my iPad doesn't want to bring up the details <laughs> I think my I iPad wants to... to give me a challenge of vamping oh yeah it's uh, Saturday the 15th of September it's on from 10am to 5pm and I'm just trying to get the details of the charity uh, which I've forgotten for the second <laughs> so we'll just say done in, in support of a really great cause uh, which if I remember later I'll try and put in here and it's at the uh, Sports Connection um, uh, Sports Connection in Wrighton in Coventry. So if you cool. go to CoventryComCon.org, 
dot uk you can still buy your tickets right now and it, it's again it's a fantastic day yeah come along and say hi to me please i love that yeah 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 and and i can say from personal experience how lovely <laughs> ross is in person as well as over the phone i can say that too because you are lovely in person and i am lovely in person so we are two lovely people in in person yeah, there we are i don't want to speak on behalf <laughs> of ross but come up and give me a hug yes <laughs> <laughs> I never like to sign stars up to that because, you know, they, they, they can... Oh, I love a hug. I love a hug. Come yeah. and hug me. That's cool. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, you're, you're top 10 Canadians. You kind of teased us oh, this I can't wait. when we last met. I had to run... I, I had more than 10, of course. So I ran it past my best friend, Rick Bland, who I moved here with. We went to drama school together. We moved here 27 years ago from Canada. And uh, we were out for a beer last week, and I said, I've got to come up with top 10 Canadians, but I've got 15. And then he suggested a few more, and I went, oh, no. So, But I've <laughs> now wheeled it down to 10. These are my favorite. Well, these are the 10 I want to talk about anyway. <laughs> and I love the fact that this has been vetted by two Canadians. This seems even more yeah. kind of serious. And by the way, just before uh, we get into that, I have found it on the website now. Sorry about that, uh, Jeff. But it's oh, the, let it go. Big, the Big Cat Sanctuary is the one oh that sounds great big cat i've got a big cat sat across from me called parsnip yeah that's my kitty she's my all-white kitty if you follow me on instagram you'll see pictures of her and uh she's just lying here across very quietly right now but she took a swipe at me earlier when i tried to (laughs) get a little cuddle and she was like no not now well uh, big cat sanctuary that sounds like a great charity and Ross, last time you were on, I don't know if you recall, but we have this very silly thing, which is Mini Mountie Club, where we just add people to it for, for the, the crack, basically, okay. uh, which you were added to last time. Would Parsnip like to be part of the list? Because we invite pets as well. Oh, lovely. So next week we will give uh, Parsnip Mullen a number uh, when Michelle's here because she keeps the list and I can't remember. What I love it. Here. Oh, so- Parsnip is please. Aren't you Parsnip? She's just... She doesn't care. Parsnip <laughs> is somewhere in the 60s. I remember we were in the 60s for our list. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, so your, your, your uh, list of 10 Canadians, where do you want to start? Okay, with? would you like the whole list right off the bat, or do you want to go through them one and... We go through them one dis- at a time, discuss the, the individual Canadian, and we build up the anticipation to your number one, or if you've got them in no particular order, that's cool. Oh, thing. you want... Okay, so I... Okay, I'm going to put one down as, as my number one. Uh, and, okay, I've, I definitely have a number one, but I would say I couldn't possibly put all of the others in a category of one to nine they're all so good we've got nine canadians you just love equally and then there's your number one i like that okay cool so let's start off with um let us start off with william shatner ah oh, sir a, a a one which has appeared in many a list but always welcome well he is so wonderful because he's from my hometown you know montreal Ah. And we studied at the same drama school together when we were little, not at the same time, because he's, you know, a good 600 years older than me, Um, because he lives in the future, of course, uh, and in the past. Now, he he and I went to a school called the Children's Theatre in Montreal, run by Dorothy Davis and Violet Walters. And they were two wonderful vaudevillian ladies who ran a children's theatre school in Montreal that both of us went to. So we had that in mind. And when I was a little boy and I wanted to become an actor, 
uh, my mom said, well, listen, William Shatner was an actor from Star Trek who I knew, and I loved watching Star Trek when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And she said, he studied at a place called the Children's Theater here, so why don't we go down and see? And that's where I first started taking lessons. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. Yeah, to, to, to have gone to the same place as, as William Shatner, as the Shat himself. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And, and he's pretty he's pretty awesome and of course it is star trek that i love him most for um captain kirk is the captain for me he is the ultimate captain i loved him i had a little kind of crush on him too when i was growing up i think it's all that like tight 60s clothing that everybody was wearing it was very you know hot <laughs> and uh i mean it's funny yeah shatner's your favorite but you've got more of the kind of uh picard look yeah yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no, no, that was, I, I think stylistically, the outfits from the original series are amazing. And uh, I think the finest outfit they ever had on Star Trek was the um, the original series films, where they got that yeah. kind of lovely burgundy outfits, which are just so Oh, those are everything. really cool. That, that was such a the, that burgundy color was so in in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> that kind of wine color oh yeah i think everybody had like a shirt or something that was wine burgundy color i know but the the, the cut of that one because like I mean, yeah of course i love the original 60s outfits but when yeah. you get to those films they still look very iconic they still look very uh cool oh. they haven't dated at all and Kirk yeah. just looks so amazing in the you know especially though... let's let's face it especially Michelle Nichols she looks amazing in her mini skirt sat in her little swivel chair with her little earpiece in uh, you know half turned to the captain captain I'm getting something on you know on the screen here I loved her her outfit she looked amazing and while you were getting something from Captain Kirk at the time I was getting something from her I, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> I assure you, I was getting a little something from her too. I don't know what it was, but I was getting a little. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Star Queen. But sorry, the Shatner. Uh, the other thing is, like, uh, have you got a favorite of his other shows? For me, I loved him in Boston Legal. A few oh years yeah. Back. It wasn't... Well, you know, my flatmate Boris, he loves Boston Legal, and I, I, he would, do, I would come down and watch some clips from it. I never really got into legal shows as much, um, but Boston Legal, I would, I loved all the. All the William Shatner clips. I think there was one very famously where he was constipated in the toilet, which I really loved. <laughs> yes, and he went accidentally. <laughs> was he con Was he always constipated in that show? No, no, he wasn't. But there was one. There was one episode. There, I think it's the one you're thinking of. Where that he, one really stands he, out in my head. He accidentally <laughs> does a uh, sign for soliciting for men in the bathroom by doing this very <laughs> yes. specific series of things: putting a briefcase down, tapping his leg out. Uh, oh, like his yeah. arm tapping oh, his head. Yes. It has to be all these very specific things, and he just did it because he was constipated. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> He's good, and I like him as a personality, William Shatner. And I have to say, as celebrity roasts go, his celebrity roast was very funny. Oh, yes. yes. It was very, very good. Yeah, the, the, uh, all the. Um, uh, was it George Decay who got him to. to well, we're, we're a. Um, an adult <laughs> podcast here so we can swear so i can quote him because he uh shatner had rode in on this horse at the beginning of it and then yeah, yeah. k said uh and finally i can say it to you fuck you and the horse you rode in on <laughs> <laughs> he 
he's great. He's always had a really good sense of humor about himself. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you remember a Saturday Night Live Saturday Night Live sketch that he did about okay. going to these uh, Comic Cons, and uh, he sort of laid into all the Star Trek fans as losers. I just thought that was really really funny. Yeah, they they ask this really in depth, ridiculously detailed question about one moment yeah. in Star Trek, and he goes. Get a life, man. <laughs> yeah, get a life, man. It was just a TV show. It was, he's very funny. I love William Shatner. So he he's like my kind of, the one we've started off with. He's not my number one Canadian. We'll get to that person eventually. No, no. Do you want to go on to the next one? Yeah, yeah, please. What a great opener, though. Okay, let's go on to Catherine O'Hara. Okay. Catherine O'Hara played the mom in Home Alone. She played the mom in Beetlejuice. Right. Catherine O'Hara is a hilarious comedian who starred in a television show called SCTV in Canada alongside John Candy, who happens to also be on my list. We'll get to him next. Nice. Um, so we can almost marry these two together. Catherine O'Hara and John Candy were... Well, he was one of the, the amazing comedians from Canada. Um, but I love Catherine O'Hara. She is such a funny lady. She's brilliant. You know Catherine O'Hara, don't well, you? Well, I, I do know that you've mentioned her body of work. I, you know, yeah. The second you mentioned The Mum from Home Alone, I had it. And then Beetlejuice. I mean, to, just for those films alone, that would be enough for someone to warrant a place on anyone's list. But, yeah. uh, and also She's... John Candy guest appeared in Home Alone. Yes, and John Candy, uh, the great, the late great. It's it was still to this day. I'm sad to have lost John Candy to the world. You know, he oh, was yeah. an incredible comedian. Uncle Buck, brilliant movie. Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Incredibly mm. funny. Incredibly moving. You know, incredible, incredible actor. And uh, I, as I understand, a really lovely man to to work with. From people I know who've worked with him. Yeah, I always um, felt that he he had another phase in his career to go, which we never saw because there was yeah. these wonderful moments in these comedies where he would just uh, be just goofing around, and then you get the moment in Planes, Trains, and Automobile, for instance, where uh, suddenly. Um, Steve Martin would put everything together that he said and realise that his wife's yeah. dead and he'd come back and then he gives this really gut-wrenching speech about oh. how his wife died and he still misses her and he still kind of sees her as being there, basically. And, it's so beautiful. And I it knew, is such yeah, a beautiful movie. And I knew he would have gone on to do at least one really serious role which would have just broken our hearts. Like, I never wanted yeah. the comedy to go away from him, but... Just, just the fact they could do both was amazing, and that's what made oh, his yeah. films elevate beyond just. Uh, for instance, I love J Jim Carrey, but he was yeah. at his best when he starts doing. It's a, my a favorite movie, Planes uh, of of John Candy's work is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and of Catherine O'Hara's, my favorite work of hers is a movie which is called Waiting for Guffman. If you've never seen it, look it up. It is so funny. It's made by the same people who did Spinal. This is Spinal Tap. And it's a small town who are waiting for a big um, Broadway producer to come and see their very uh, amateur production of uh, a musical that takes place in their town of their very fame and fortune of what they make is stools. So there's loads of musical numbers about stools in it, as you can imagine. There's a lot, And Parker Posey's in the movie as well, but Catherine O'Hara is super funny in it. Oh yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and then I, I now I've rec I recognize the name waiting for government. I think it was on uh, Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, amazing colossal podcast. They had oh, it's uh, so funny. Mark Michael McLean. 
is it? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Michael McKeon, I think, is McKeon. in it as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a it. great. It's one of it's all those people, the Spinal Tap people. It's their creation, and also uh, Best in Show they did as well, which I think Catherine O'Hara is, is also in. Yeah. No, no, I, I, and I like it when people bring up like uh, again. That's not a name I recognise, but as soon as you start mentioning her body of work, I instantly know who you're talking about. She's so funny. Yeah. yeah. She's brilliant. So next on my list, we've done John Candy. So there we've got one, two, three, we've gone. That's, uh, Let's ten move on to seven. Um, we've got seven more, huh? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, let's move on to Alanis Morissette. Nice. I love Alanis Morissette. Okay, so love the Jagged Little Pill album. But I also just love the fact that she's from Ottawa, which is like where my family now live. I'm originally from Montreal, but all my family upsticked and moved to Ottawa. And Ottawa is kind of one of those cities that's like, uh, I wouldn't say it's edgy, but you know, Alanis, it, it produced Alanis Morissette, who's super kind of edgy. She's like really out there. And I have a nice little Alanis Morissette anecdote. Uh, I got off the plane in Los Angeles and I went to a party. Um, my friend Tamara picked me up from the airport and she said, you know, uh, listen, I know you're probably tired. You've been on the plane for 10 hours, but I have to stop by this party. And I got to this party and I was sort of really out of it, no sleep at all. And I was sat there on the sofa and uh, this woman came over and sat next to me and she said, hey, you friends, you one of Tamara's friends. And I said, yeah, she said, how was your flight over? And I said, uh, yeah, good. And I said, yeah, I think I've met you before. And she went, no, don't think so. But I heard you were coming over. And I was like, yeah, you look really familiar. And she, I was like, I was like, uh, my name's Ross. And she was like, yeah. And she's like, I'm Alanis. And I was like, Alanis, yeah, I'm sure I've met you before. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm talking to Alanis Morissette. <laughs> so, so that was my Alanis Morissette little anecdote. Oh, and then when he got her car and my friend Tamara went, oh yeah, by the way, I know Alanis Morissette. And I was like, I know. What did you tell me? I'm sitting talking to her thinking, how do I know this woman? <laughs> just one of those really out of context moments where you just don't piece it together. Yeah, you just don't piece it together. I did that with Graham Norton once when I bumped into him on the street. I went, hey, how are you? And he went, I'm fine. And I went, oh, God, I don't know you, actually. <laughs> and he went, no, but thank you. <laughs> I was like, bye. You just, your, your face recognition just goes, oh. And then you're like, oh, right. You don't know me. I know you. Oh, well, well. well, it's the surname Mullen. Yeah, you got that Irish connection for a minute. Mm. <laughs> yes, that connection of Irishness between us. Yeah. No, but I mean, Lance Morissette, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, the Jack Little Pill album, I think, is just one of those perfect albums that stands up to today. There's not yeah. a kind of foot wrong on that whole album, I don't think. It's one which I can just blast right through any time. She's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, she's brilliant. I think she's very talented. And I like the fact that she had a little career before Jagged Little Pill, too, that was really weird and sort of pop idly kind of. Did you know that? She put no, out, no, I no. think, two albums prior to Jagged Little Pill that were, you know, she was like a little pop star, you know? She was like literally teen, teen pop. Wow, no, and I then, But she had this body of work that she had written, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, Madonna's uh, uh, record label, Maverick, uh, discovered her and put out Jagged Little Pill. That's who kind of discovered her, was Madonna. Oh, Isn't that no odd? Idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, a, it's Maverick Records put out uh, Jagged Little Pill. And what an album that is. It really does stand up to the test of time. I love it. 
Yeah, and and also a a, a somewhat of an acting career uh, via Kevin Smith. Uh, she appeared as God in a couple of his movies. Oh yes, uh, very well cast. Well, very well cast. Because yeah. if I died and I go to heaven and Alanis Morissette is God, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yes. I'm totally okay with that. And it's kind of fun that she uh, got to out Silent Bob, Silent Bob, because she's playing God as a <laughs> as a mute because her voice is so powerful it could destroy him. And destroy, oh, destroy people. Yeah, so they, they had Alan Rickman as the voice of God because, yeah, man isn't oh, built yeah, to process. Oh, yeah, yes, I do remember this, yes. Uh, but I'm also yeah. partial to the idea of Cher being God. But Cher's not Canadian, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, oh, no, no, I almost made a joke about the changing face of God, but let's not go there. That That's mean-spirited <laughs> and not fair of me. And I did actually see, when I saw Cher recently... Uh, doing some press and stuff for uh, uh, Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. Yes. Uh, she does actually look a lot better. There was a while, I, I, you know, I, I mean this, I'm going in a positive direction, but it's like, yes. for a while she did look a bit like she'd had a bit too much surgery, might I say, and it looks like it's been corrected somehow. Yeah, I don't know. She's lucky with plastic surgery, because like, she still always looks like Cher. Snap out of it! She always looks so amazing. Usually, you know? when you cross Cher that line, suits her well. Yeah, um, I mean, usually when you cross that line and you've had a bad surgery and you know plastic surgery and it doesn't yeah. look good, it doesn't go right again. And she seems to have done that, which I think is I mystical almost. She is mystical. This is the thing. <laughs> she is mystical. I've known her since I was born. Really, in my in my sort of essence, she's my my spirit animal, Cher. You know. I yeah. grew up always, Cher has always been a constant in my life, you know. Um, but we, we're digressing away because Cher is not Canadian. Yeah, we must right, not right, go right, there. Right, right. She's right. influenced many a Canadian, but she is not Canadian. Well, I heard Alonis was influenced by her. I've never heard that, but let's just say it. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we move on to my next one? Sure. But Alanis, great, great ad. She is amazing. The God Alanis. Yeah. Um, my next one is going to be one that you don't know, and I don't think many people who are listening are going to know. And he is Mr. Dress Up. Okay. You're saying who is Mr. Dress Up? You want to ask me? Well, it's well, either from, from children's TV or from the gay community. I'm sorry, it's one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> he is definitely not from the gay community. He is from my childhood. There you go. He was a TV star who was he was a man. Like the story was, Mr. Dress Up lived in a house. And he had um, a thing called, it, 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 like typical with kids TV, it always just sounds wrong when you're explaining it. <laughs> he, had a, he had a tickle trunk, and in the tickle trunk was lots of clothes that you could dress up in. So he was Mr. Dress Up, dressing up from the clothes in his tickle trunk. He was a really great artist, like so many of those uh, kids TV show hosts are. You know, he always did really beautiful drawings. And in his back garden, now this is where it sounds really dodgy, so just don't go there because he was a lovely man. Okay. He, in the back garden, in a treehouse, was a little boy called Casey and his dog Finnegan, and they lived there. And he would go out into the garden and talk to them, and um, Miss Biz would come, and she was a, um, a bird <laughs> puppet. Aunt Biz, I think her name was, <laughs> yeah. or Miss Biz. <laughs> and he, what I loved about Mr. Dress Up is he kind of looked like my dad. It was really weird. They kind of looked similar. Um, but I loved Mr. Dressup. He had a really, it was one of those things, you know, you watched. It was like early every morning. Um, I just, he was, a, I was very, very fond of him. And I loved Casey and Finnegan. 
um, the little puppets that lived in his treehouse, the little boy and his dog that were his prisoners in his back garden. Never mind. <laughs> no, 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 no. You look, you have lived and uh, you were talking to someone from the country who came up with the Chuckle Brothers in the night garden and the Teletubbies. So I think yeah, if we it, try and describe any of those to someone outside this country, we're going to see You know, I worked in kids TV for years. It's a, course, it's a yeah. minefield of trying to get it right without sounding weird. Well, exactly. We, let's try and explain uh, Bear in, in the Big Blue house to, to anyone or sorry no a uh, bear behaving badly sorry bear please. behaving badly i know so i'm getting my like, bears mixed up. yeah i know it's crazy but mr dress up that's why he's on my list because he he was a warm lovely man he was wonderful with children he did a lot for charity uh he was he he has a legacy you know and he i think he touched the hearts of many uh, children of my generation so I wanted to put him on there and talk about him when you, and if you google him you'll find it all about his tickle trunk and Casey yeah. and Finnegan in the back garden and Aunt Biz <laughs> uh, and when you were when you were playing uh, Nev the Bear did, did you get influenced at all by Mr. Tickle was there a bit of tickle that you uh, put in there by the tickle trunk or Mr. Dress Up oh, Mr. Dress Up really. really it was like. never really I don't know Bear Behaving Badly was a little too cheeky for maybe Mr. Dress-Up territory. Mr. Dress-Up was very clean, sort of, <laughs> living. Uh, uh, Nev the Bear was a little cheeky. You know, he was always throwing food around and being evil. But we did have episodes where we got dressed up loads. And, you know, who doesn't like dressing up when you're a kid? Oh, of course. And, uh, um, I, you know, I'm talking adult. to cosplayers here, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. like, everybody loves getting dressed up. Yeah. So Mr. Dress-Up was, you know, he was paving the way. Yeah, no, no, I, I was going to say, it's like, you're, like, you're talking to someone who goes to cons dressed as Matt Smith all the time, so come on, look, I exactly. can't say anything, yeah. Um, really, yeah. And so I was, he was an inspiration, inspiration to the forerunner to cosplay, Mr. Dress Up in Canada. I think it was uh, one of the memories you shared recently was uh, you in drag, or at a drag event, certainly. Uh, oh, yes, what movie, the movie Doris that I did, or what? What, what time I was in drag? I've been in drag a few times, I but think not that it many. Was, I think it was someone putting you in drag. I thought it was for uh, at some event or something, but it might have been for a film. Uh, it was for a film. I did a film called Doris, a short film, which was at uh, the LGBT BFI festival or the yeah the LGBT festival at BFI, and it should be out soon. Actually, you can if you go on my Instagram, you can see pictures of me Excellent. as Doris. It's about an aging drag queen. It's a great story very cool little thing oh that's great no no i, I look forward to seeing that one then yes yeah, so we're so we're two gentlemen who never grew out of dress up anyway <laughs> exactly so t here's to mr dress up Excellent. um okay next on my list is going to be a weirder one as well um right. sticking along the lines of people you may not have heard of uh ann murray do you know who ann murray is no Anne Marie is a, a sort of a country singer in Canada. Now I've, I've put Anne Marie on there because I think if I didn't, my mom and dad would be very disappointed. <laughs> because Anne Marie was the wholesome Canadian. She was a gym teacher turned country western western singer, and she was very popular. You know, in the seventies and eighties, even in the United States, uh, she would go down and host the the Merv Griffin show and all those big talk shows she was on all the late night shows uh she had a song that was very popular called snowbird and she covered a lot of um the bread songs i don't know if you remember the album the, the band bread yeah uh but she's really like grassroots you know canadian 
uh, singer and folk singer, country singer. You know, she's just, you know, even people like Katie Lang love Anne-Marie. If you're Canadian, you can't, you can't not put Anne-Marie on your list, in my opinion. She's just, everything about her is wholesome and Canadian. Well, I mean, it, it, is there a difference between country and Western? As I mean, you know, I, I always think of American when I think of country and Western. Is there a difference to Canadian country and Western? Has it got a different Yeah, I would say country it? Western in Canada is a little bit more folky and a little bit more road music-y, I would say. I, American country Western is all about divorces and marriages and him drinking too much and leaving and coming back again yeah, and yeah. all that. I don't think Canadian country western is like that really it's more i would think more like katie lang and Anne marie um there's yeah it's just a little bit more folky i think a bit more farm farm like if I that makes any sense i love the idea that canada would get hold of country and western music and go it's like well, there's a lot of death in there. That doesn't seem very nice. Let's put some more positivity <laughs> in it. You can, I mean, there's can't help but be positive. in the States. Uh, let's not sing about that. But, you know, you got to love Dolly Parton. She she does country western the best in the States. But yeah. Anne-Marie, I love Anne-Marie. Look her up. She's just lovely. Lovely, lovely woman. Uh, I, I'm a big part of my, my growing up. And I have... Uh, some of her music, you know, on my phone, and I always, whenever her songs come on, I am literally transported into the back seat of my dad's car, and it's just, you know, it's O Canada for me. I and I, I just, uh, I love the way this this list. When we hear about these Canadians, I feel like it does reveal something about the country of Canada, and like you know, even country western music. As I say, you can't help but put some positivity into it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And her music was very positive and beautiful. Uh, yeah, I urge you to, and her voice, just so beautiful, soft like butter. I mean, is just beautiful. She's got a gorgeous, gorgeous voice. Is she still, so I urge you to listen to her. Is she still performing and still with us? I She is still with us, but I, I don't think she performs anymore. Uh, if she does, very rarely. Um, but she must be now in her 60s, I suppose, late 60s. And I don't think she performs as much you know she's a grandmother now and you know she's typical canadian sort of retires when she gets a little older to the country and are there any uh, tracks of hers or any albums that we should check out specifically well i would just say check out Anne murray's greatest hits <laughs> no? uh, that would be the best one um you can get that on amazon i'm sure or download it um but the, my favorite song of hers is snowbird and snowbird is about a bird that flies south in the winter time and then comes back and uh so she's singing really about the canadians who leave in the winter time to go down to florida and then fly back after the winter's finished oh that's great yeah uh, great yeah yeah, yeah. Snowbird. cool uh so we'll be checking that one out later and check uh, them out yeah your next okay day... let's move on to we've got two one two three four left huh Okay, so you're okay. Yes. Yeah. So I'm gonna talk. We'll we'll do this is a combo as well because I want to do uh, t- these two will go together hand in hand. Uh, Margaret Atwood. Do you know who Margaret Atwood is? I recognize the name. Who's she? The writer of Handmaid's Tale. She is one of our our foremost best writers of Canadian literature. She wrote uh, The Handmaid's Tale. She wrote Oryx and Crake. Alias Grace, Cat's Eye, Robber Bride. She's a feminist writer. 
She studied here in the UK. Uh, she lived in, I think, Oxford and Cambridge and Norwich. I think she still has a home in Norwich. But she's written some of the best women's words on page. And if you're looking for apocalyptic future, look no further than Margaret Atwood. She does some of the best sci-fi things. I think Oryx and Crake is an incredible apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic book. And I believe they are trying to make it into a movie since the popularity of uh, Handmaid's Tale and Alias Grace on Netflix and on Hulu. Uh, so she's an amazing writer, amazing writer for women's rights uh, and for human rights, really, and environmental. She's an amazing, amazing writer. So if you've not read anything by Margaret Atwood, you're missing out. She's a great, great writer. And and so, uh, someone who uses uh, such uh, metaphor, shall we say, and dystopian metaphor to yeah. shine a light on stuff which happens in our society today. Um, it, it's almost like they, they were built for this time somehow. Yeah. Sadly. Well, she often says, I don't write about the future. I write about today. And mm. that's really interesting. So, you know, because a lot of her work is projecting about what the future will be like. But she does. It, it's so believable, the future that she paints, because she's only painting the picture of what you actually see around you today. Well, I mean, So Margaret Atwood is an incredible writer. If you yeah. look at, uh, you know, we mentioned Star Trek earlier. And that, mm. the whole thing behind that show was it was to write modern tales in a sci-fi setting so essentially you could get away with it so they, yeah. they, they'd have these very thinly veiled metaphors really but it was enough to get it past the censors who just went oh yeah you're talking about aliens okay never mind and they just kind of ignore it so i think yeah yeah uh, she's maybe doing an even more um subtle version of that now i would definitely say so yeah and she's been writing for years and i've also got a little margaret atwood anecdote as well because when i was waitering tables in toronto when i was going to drama school i served her and her daughter at toby's bar and grill and i happened to just be reading this book called cat's eye which uh i was loving i was right in the middle of it and you know typical waiter thing i didn't really want to bother her i know she's a very private woman um but you know halfway through <laughs> halfway through waitering i just said to her uh, you know mrs Atwood, i just wanted to say uh, i i really i'm loving cat's eye and she said, oh, well, that's fantastic, you know, because she said, you must be relating to it because there's a waitress in it. Uh, and I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. She said, that's great. She said, it's inspired by all the times I was waitering tables. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. That's very awesome. Oh, nice. So you got like a yeah. little, little personal uh, connection there with her. Yeah, a little connection to Margaret. Nice. She's a very, very strong and powerful person. I was deeply terrified of her nonetheless she was very warm to me i was pleased she didn't decide to kill me instantly Does it, i mean it must be very difficult to do but the best writers i think are the ones who uh keep that connection to everyday life when they used to be a waiter or they used to be whatever yeah. they used to be uh and and i mean again it must be so difficult when they are winning awards and they're kind of moving in different circles but just, mm. just to say, if you can keep that connection, it just makes you so much better as an actor, a writer, any kind of creative yeah. field. If you can keep that realness to the condition which most of us live in. Then well, yeah. I think Canadian writers are great. So I'm moving on to another Canadian writer who I also love, who's no longer with us. His name was Timothy Finlay. And he wrote a book which I think everybody would love. Um, it's called Not Wanted on the Voyage. And Not Wanted on the Voyage is written from the perspective of Noah's wife. 
um, Noah's Ark. Wow. So, you know, as she's very, she's very famously known just as Noah's wife in the Bible. She doesn't really have a name of her own because she was a woman. Yeah. Um, Timothy Finley is a, a gay writer, you know, LGBT writer in Canada, and he wrote many, many books. Um, one of the books was The Wars, which is about uh, World War One. Incredible book. He also wrote an incredible book called The Butterfly Plague, which is about Hollywood in the 1920s and 30s. And this book, uh, which takes place on in Noah's Ark, it's a, an imag- reimagining of the story uh, as Noah, as this maniacal, crazy sort of uh, person who sort of obviously believes that he's speaking to God and is is close connection to God. But it's all told through the eyes of his wife, who's Noah's wife, um, Mrs. Noah. And does, does she get he was a, it? He's a great writer, Timothy Finley, for... I'll say this about him, is that every book you read by Timothy Finley, it almost seems like it's written by a different author. He, it's like, it's totally different style, totally different place. Uh, Like one is a comedy, one is a rich uh, romance, one is drama. It's really, he's he's an incredibly prolific writer. Uh, He was, uh, he passed away a few years ago now. Mm. Um, But I love him and him and Margaret Atwood, are two of my favorite um, Canadian writers. Yeah, no, that's great. And and I love it when a writer can get out of their head enough to really inhabit all these different characters. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, there's obviously something wonderful about a writer who's got their own style, but it's yeah. it's another ability, a whole new level, when they can so almost be someone else to write for that it, person. It does feel that way. When you read something of Timothy Finley's, it's almost like a different person wrote every book, like a completely separate person with different perspectives and different um, opinions about the world that we live in. You don't get one sort of theme of what his, you know, Margaret Atwood, you get sort of a definite theme of how she views the world through her writing. But Timothy, it's like he can really embody other people and tell their story. He's just phenomenal. I, I love the, the fact that he picked up on the whole thing of like, wait a minute, Noah's wife hasn't actually got a name. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how yeah. that's never occurred to me before. Most uh, women don't have names in the Bible, in the especially in, uh, in part one. <laughs> but I, you know, especially in part uh, one. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't deny, obviously I'm a product of my environment where it is kind of a male-centric environment, but... Uh, yeah. But it just shows you how deeply it's indoctrinated that you don't even notice because they just do it all throughout that book, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. And what's wonderful in uh, this this book, uh, Not Wanted on the Voyage, is uh, in in the in the reimagining of it, um, you could still talk to the animals. The animals could still speak. Oh, that's great. And, so so yeah. everybody could communicate and then one of the things that happens is that god removes the ability to communicate with animals and i mean it, it instantly then the name of the book just is it, the second you said not wanted on the voyage that's a very intriguing yeah. title straight off the bat yes and and you have to figure out who it is because there's a few people there's there's noah there's noah's wife then there's his son and then his son has a wife who's really interesting as well um and i think she's transsexual and then there's a cat that is very good friends with noah's wife who is her confidant it's her like her familiar it's so good 
Oh, no, no, I, I want to check this out now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really, really good book. Not wanted on the voyage. Damn, damn you, sir. Uh, this is like your friend when he was giving you more Canadians to add to your list. Like, I, I've got so much media to get through, I don't need mm. more. But that sounds awesome. I've got to check it out now. Okay, so now we're going to get a little lighter. I'm going to move on to someone a little bit lighter, but a li I love her just the same. Are you and is it is, of course, none other than Pamela Anderson. We're in your top three now, aren't we? The three left. Uh, we're we're down to the last two. Oh, two. Oh, so yep, Pamela so Anderson. This is my second to last one. Is Pamela uh, Anderson? I know what's coming up next as well. Then I know what's coming up next as well because you mentioned it before. But let's go, Pamela Anderson. I don't know. I've no. I've not mentioned this one before. And the last one might surprise you, but Pamela Anderson is. Okay. A great Canadian. I always say there's nothing more American than a Canadian, and Pamela Anderson really embodies that. I love her. Um, she does American like no other American, and she's Canadian. That that makes me happy. <laughs> I don't know why, but it does. Um, and I never really watched Baywatch much, but I love her as a personality. I loved her. Uh, she had a sitcom a few years ago, which only lasted one season. It was called. It was called Stacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Do you remember it? it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She a, ran a library or something like that. It was something completely ludicrous. She, I thought she, she was hilarious in, a bookstore. in it. Oh, Dottie, sorry, one second. Dottie, come on up. Sorry, she was... Uh, Dottie, we're podcasting here, please. Ross Mullen. Oh, no. Dottie? Yeah. She's... Dottie's getting excited because I'm talking about Pamela Anderson. Yeah, well, she's a big fan. I didn't want to bring it up, but she, <laughs> but she loves Pammy. Uh, yeah, yeah, Stacked. It was set in a uh, bookshop, um, and she came yeah, in to... Yeah, it was a bookshop. Like, uh, it was kind of one of those things where it's such a goofy <laughs> setup, but it was only because Pamela Anderson was so charming and fun in it that it really worked for me. Yeah. And she also, of course, did one of the best celebrity roasts as well, next to William Shatner. She has a great celebrity roast, Pamela Anderson. I don't did know if you've ever seen it. I remember they did one with... Um, I think she even did the first it. one. The first one of the ones that were the big comebacks of the roasts. Um, but she's lovely. I love her because she's got a good sense of humor about herself, you know? Yeah. No, no, it's great. I, I, I think that... Uh, I mean, again, it's it's anyone else I think who'd been in Baywatch, you would have seen them in that. You know, would have been part of the whole Baywatch kind of almost joke that it was as a show. Yeah. You know, it, it's it it was fun to watch, but it was no more. Most of the rest of the cast sort of just went on to whatever, but kind of pitted out. Yeah. But it's her and Hasselhoff just had the personality to to go. She on has something about her that's just really wonderful, and I I love the work she does for Peta. And uh, I'm not vegan myself, but I love the work she has done to bring, uh, you know, the, the rights of animals and farming and, you know, changing from leather to other sources that are similar to leather. She's got a line of clothing that's all non-leather based. Uh, people who do things like that for the environment, for our world are, I just think, second to none. And I think she's done some wonderful things uh, for animals in this world. And so... God bless Pamela Anderson. I really love her. Well, my, my co-host from this uh, show, uh, Michelle, is a vegan, and she's always showing uh -huh. stuff about kind of veganism, so she'll appreciate that. And I've kind of switched to mostly vegan, mostly for sort of health reasons to lose a bit of weight. Um, yeah, so I, it's I, great. Our yeah. household here is vegan, and uh, I eat mostly vegan, and then when I'm out, I kind of slide a bit. Yeah, I'm but, the same. Uh, I'm always trying, you know. It's always better to have less meat in your diet I think it's better for us and it's better for animals it's better for the planet 
well next month i'm doing my first kind of full vegan month it's part of my challenges i'm doing heading towards my 40th birthday in december so we'll, oh. we'll have to join each other for a falafel burger on one of the nights we will have a falafel burger next month <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> absolutely absolutely so let's move on to my very last and final canadian can i guess because it last yeah, time I guess we met, it. last time we met you mentioned uh avril lavigne <gasps> well you know what it's not Avril Lavigne. Isn't that crazy? She's I had Avril list. Lavigne on this list forever and ever and ever. And I took Avril Lavigne off simply because I didn't think she would be as interesting to speak about. But it was down to between her and Alanis Morissette. Well, and I thought, yeah. uh, I'll go with Alanis Morissette. Now, the thing about Avril Lavigne is she's also from Ottawa. Well, she's from Napanee, which is just outside of Ottawa. Um, I'll let you have a very... bonus Canadian. Go on, go on. Let's talk Avril yeah, for a second. Yeah, we're going to do 11 Canadians yeah, today. Yeah, we're hijacking the Canadian format. We're going that's, rebel. That's very Canadian, isn't it? Yes. So Avril Lavigne is awesome. I love her. I love her first album. Uh, skater boy even though i was way too old <laughs> i was like he was a skater boy see you later boy yeah i mean i love her i think she's great i think she's a great songwriter and um me and my flatmate we had we were visiting canada uh, a while back and um we got into this discussion about i said you know she wrote all her music he said no she did not she's not capable i was like she totally wrote her music we walked into a, a vegan shop a vegetarian and vegan restaurant and she was sat right there and i turned to him and i said well why don't you just go over and ask her and that shut him up <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious she was sat right there having a salad and i was like oh my god it's avril lavigne sat right there the genius that is avril lavigne yeah i love her i love that album yeah. i actually downloaded that album not long ago <laughs> i realized i didn't even have it on my phone and i was like crime i must download this um it's such teenage angst i mean i know i'm 51 but <laughs> um it's i love it it speaks to the teenage angstiness in me yeah and I, i've got to say her first track um complicated her first single i think actually is quite a mature song for someone of her age recording you know she went into that kind of more poppy stuff as she went on but I think yeah. that song really stands up as kind of a really well-written song. It is. And I love I'm With You, too. Yes, that's sweet. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm it's with like really you. whiny and I'm under a bridge and, you know, it's raining, it's cold outside. And it's a damn I, cold I night it. trying to figure out this life. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's, she's a good songwriter. She yeah. was... You know, I wish she was doing a bit more. But then you know there's this conspiracy theory that she died. Yes. Oh, so ridiculous and so hurtful. The way they've <laughs> gone after her and her family about it. It's weird. It's super odd. I was like, what? Uh, yeah, yeah no, but they but replaced I, yeah. her with a different Avril Lavigne. Uh, it's like bizarre. To, to begin with, it sounded pretty funny. But then I heard about people, you know, literally accosting her in the streets, writing stuff to her and her family. It went in a really oh. dark place. And didn't she have some health problems a few years back? And they was. I think she did. After, I think she did. Going after her. They were still going after her. And you know what? Her. Like, sometimes when you've done a big lot of creative work in the earlier part of your life, you just you just shift gears and you might want to do something different. You know, she probably yeah. has other things that she does in her life, um, which are probably beneficial for her, you know, and um, yeah, she can do whatever she wants and yeah, lay off her family, man, like calm down folks, you yeah. know, 
don't pick on her because you've got a conspiracy theory that she died. Lay off her family. Lay off her family and lay off her real family wherever they are too. That's what I'm Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's hilarious. Yes, lay off her real family. Oh, the shade. I love it. Okay, so Um, so we're going to move on to my last Canadian now. Yeah, that was your bonus Canadian. (laughs) <laughs> this is my bonus, but she's my number one Canadian, man. No, no, Avril was your bonus Canadian. This is back to your Canadians proper. Yeah, this is Joni Mitchell. <laughs> oh, nice. Big yellow taxi. Oh, come on, man. Joni Mitchell. I woke up. It was a Chelsea morning. Oh, I love Joni Mitchell. She's the best Canadian. And she doesn't live in Canada anymore. And she's kind of a little bonkers which is why we love Joni Mitchell yeah um I'm obsessed with Joni Mitchell and where she was where she when she wrote every single song she wrote you know like she wrote the album Blue and she was living in Ibiza and um you know like Chelsea Morning written of course in New York in the very famous Chelsea district um, I love Joni. Uh, my favorite song of hers, though, is uh, one that not a lot of people know. It's called You Turn Me On Like a Radio. Yeah. And it's uh, it's really, uh, to me, that's the, the ultimate driving in a car down the highway kind of song, you know? Um, I love I love Joni Mitchell. If I'm a little bit bummed out, if I'm a little bit missing home, and when I say home, I mean Canada. If I put on Joni Mitchell, she's another one that it just really, like Anne Murray, she makes me think of Canada. She makes me long for California when she sings about California. Uh, she makes the world a better place, Joni Mitchell. She's wonderful. And her, I don't know if you've ever heard her recording, her re-recording of Both Sides Now, which she re-recorded, I think, in 2005. Um after her voice is long since changed from years and years of smoking. Um, it's a haunting, beautiful, sad, uh, moving version of both sides now, which makes you feel like the song is really about misunderstanding the world and loss and love and never really achieving what you wanted. Whereas, you know, the original version is really quite beautiful and upbeat taking the same words and giving them just a completely different meaning by your um by the way that you perform them uh so my number one canadian is definitely got to be joni mitchell well if i can tag just two things off of that one is when you talk about the voice changing it sort of reminds me of tom jones who yeah he's he's um he's talked before in an interview about the fact that he, he's lost a bit of the high range, but he's got a lot more in the lower range now. So when yeah, he sings yeah. those songs, which he's been doing his whole career, it is different every year he sings it because he just goes even deeper and more gravelly in his voice. And I, I think it's just got better over the years. So I do yeah. love it when they redo songs, which they did when they were younger, because just the difference is night and day with some of these yeah, yeah. performers. Uh, the other thing which you made me think of there was, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of the Bare Naked Ladies, yeah, I love the Bare Naked Ladies. Oh my God! They did <laughs> an so album. 80s. Their last album was um, a fake nudes, and uh, oh, brilliant! One of the songs yeah, they had, uh, one of their songs they had on there was Canada Dry, and or and uh, you know the lyrics go high in Canada Dry, and they talk about uh, it's a sort of a love letter to Canada, and they talk about uh, you know there's so many references to Canada, and in each verse they say and now listening to and it's like now listening to Neil is making me cry. 
now listening to and one of them is Joni's making me cry so they kind of reference yeah. her and you were saying about that kind of mournful thing and it just it kind of reminded me of that song so if you get a second check out the song Canada Joy by the Bare Naked Ladies I, I think, will I, think I will it. definitely do that because talking I about relate to yourself, that you know yeah. the you know, there's so many Canadians we've missed out here, you know, like, I love Neil Young, I love Brian Adams, you know, there was a lot of people on my list that I loved, uh, you know, that I just couldn't talk about them all, but I mean, you can go on and on, because there's, especially to me, Canadian songwriters and um, writers, for some reason, just pull my heart. Gordon Lightfoot is another one, loved him, and let's face it, Celine Dion, we love Celine Dion. You know, she's great. She's I, great. I love that song she did for Deadpool. I mean, I'm not a huge Slim fan of right. it, but uh, she did the song. I didn't know Ashes. she did a song for Deadpool. That's cool. I'll check that out. Oh, there's a song called Ashes. It's, it is really beautiful. And the most wonderful thing about it is totally in keeping with Deadpool. She's doing this song while uh, they've got this uh, female dancer in uh, or either this. Uh -huh. I can't remember. It might be a female dancer or a male dancer in spandex with a, yeah. uh, a Deadpool mask on. Does all this prancing around, and then at the end, you've got Deadpool comes up and clapping, goes, "Oh my God, Celine, that was the most beautiful thing ever." Now I'm gonna have to get you to do it again. She goes, "Why would I do it again?" She goes, "He goes, look, this is Deadpool two. We're gonna need you to dial this down to a seven at least, at like ideally a five. And, and she That's goes, hilarious. "She goes, this thing only goes up to 11. <laughs> hey, there's also another great Canadian, Robert Lepage. He's an amazing uh, creator of theater. Uh, and he, he's done work all over the world, but he's a fantastic uh, theatrical impresario, I would say. Wonderful guy. Um, yeah, he was in a very famous movie that was uh, made in my hometown called Jésus de Montréal, uh, Jesus of Montreal. It's a brilliant film, Canadian film, fantastic. Um, but Joni Mitchell lies there at the very top of the pile, I'm afraid. I love her. And I think Rolling Stone magazine said she was possibly the most influential songwriter of folk uh, music in the 60s and 70s, you know, something like that. I love her, her work. Absolutely love her. So, like, in uh, Design Discs, which is a, a famous radio show over here, they, re you know, they talk <laughs> about their favourite uh, records. It's kind of what I base this show, like this format of the show on. Uh, and they, they always say, like, and the waves are washing away your records. What's the one you saved? So you're Canadian, you saved from the waves. <laughs> it's going to be Joni yeah. Mitchell. Oh, absolutely. Got to be Joni Mitchell, for sure. For sure. Okay. Yes. Uh, this was wonderful. I could really talk Canadians all day with you. But uh, the, the, <laughs> the convention is CovCon, CoventryComicCon.uk. And it's Saturday, the 15th of September, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the play is, sir? pocket full of bread at the oval house from september the 10th to the 13th uh tickets are 13 pounds each it's a okay. two-hander it's only one hour come and say hi to me afterwards we'll go for a drink at the bar why not if that doesn't sell you it uh, i don't know what will and so we usually round off these chats uh, by inviting people till next week to keep their compasses pointed due south by southeast uh, would you mind doing that for us what do I do? Well, the, the podcast is called <laughs> Due South by Southeast. So, due South by Southeast, So yeah. we, we ask them until next week to keep their com compasses pointed due okay. south by southeast. Okay, guys. Keep your compasses pointed due south by southeast. Good night, keep man. it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.